Welcome to the Kesset Church Podcast. We are so glad you've joined us and hope you enjoyed today's sermon. If you'd like to find out more about Kesset, you can head to kessetchurch.com or find us on Facebook. Good morning and welcome to Kesset Church. My name is Danny and I am one of the pastors here. Whether you are joining us on Facebook or Kesset Online, I'm so excited that you, uh, that you chose to spend this time with us and, uh, and hopefully learn and hopefully engage in this community that God is busy leading. Uh, we're in a series right now called Kaleidoscope. And the goal of our Kaleidoscope series has been to build upon the existing foundations that have already made Kesed into the house of conversation that it is. This is what I'm hoping to do. I'm hoping that through that conversation, we as a community can sit together and that we can learn about the always controversial topic of injustice, racial injustice specifically, through conversation, through dialogue, through discussion, and, and in some cases, even through disagreement. Um, I know that many churches have kind of engaged with this topic over the last few weeks, and, and the results have, have varied. Uh, there are some churches that, that have engaged by not engaging. They're really not talking about it. They're kind of avoiding uh, the conflict because it's complicated, and it's not an easy thing to talk about. Then there's others that are diving in uh, what I would say is a bit too fast. There's not a ton of, uh, of uh, on-ramping and explaining and sort of uh, dialoguing with their people about the questions they have. And so there's some of that uh, conflict happening in communities. I'm seeing a lot of that. And then, of course, there are a lot of faith-based communities that have just dove in up to their neck. It's as if a corner never existed at all, and they're just, just tripping end over end. I, I wanted to avoid really all of those scenarios, and I wanted to make sure that we as a faith-based community were able to have these conversations with, um, with as much insight and with as much understanding of one another's positions as possible. And so uh, this is why last week uh, was a lot of platform setting, a lot of tone setting. Now, I admit to you openly that I knew I would get, uh, I would get some interesting feedback. And uh, I, I'm proud to say that that's exactly what I received. I received all kinds of, uh, of interesting feedback. I just want to give you a few of them right now. Uh, the first, one of the first things that I heard from a few of our Kesed members was that I can't believe Kesed just went political like that. This was something that, that, that people kind of challenged and, and we kind of had discussions about. Someone else said, uh, it's the most mediocre sermon I've ever heard in my life. So uh, that, that was a fun one. Uh, that was all regarding last week. And then someone else said, my family and I are in awe of the risk Kesed took starting this conversation with our church family. My wife was in tears the whole message. Now here's the point. All of this feedback is appreciative. All of this feedback is, is, uh, is, is welcome. And all of this feedback is appropriate. Because what I told you we're going to do is have a conversation. And in order to have a conversation, we have to have ears to hear even feedback like that. And this is so far to me the most encouraging piece of the feedback I'm hearing. And that's that nobody left yet. These, this feedback came and people still said, but I'm in. I, I, I want to know more. I, I want to learn more. I want to be a part of the conversation. And so I just want to say to our Kesed family, if you're having those kinds of conversations with people in your life, don't, don't, don't lower that. Don't, don't speak down to that. This is what it means to be in a community. It's to allow people to engage where they are as they are and to honor them inside that space. 
Now, the thing this conversation does do, and I don't have to tell anybody out there watching, is it does show how far apart many of us are and how many people perceived getting into this sermon series the bullseye they thought each one of my messages was trying to hit. And and it's interesting to me because as people said, well, listen, this is where you hit and this is where I thought you should hit, or this is where you hit and this is where I thought you should hit. I just confirmed that where they thought I should hit makes sense based on their worldview, based on where they're coming from. But I want to make sure and clarify exactly the bullseye that I'm aiming for within this series. And it lies within a verse in Matthew chapter 6, verses 9 and 13. Jesus says, after this manner, therefore, pray. And then he gives them the way in which they are to pray. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. See, I think when we start off in conversations like this, everybody has a, a bullseye they're hoping gets, uh, gets struck, that they're hoping gets approached. But, but I want you to know, as uh, the pastor of this church and this community, that there's only really one bullseye I'm aiming for, and that's this idea of having a thy kingdom worldview. That, that there is something beyond what is going on in this in this place and in these stories that is higher than any agenda or, or any uh, plan or any uh, ability for any human to, uh, to really experience. In our world today, naming any injustice present in our country will either betray you or align you to a political side. I found it interesting this week that uh, some of the people that were doing the most they could to try and bring other people to their viewpoint were some of the ugliest uh, messaging I saw all week long. And so I just want to point out to you that, that we need to be careful as Christians that, that we don't share things on behalf of just how we're seeing the world, but that we as Christians specifically, that we share things on behalf of this thy kingdom worldview. As followers of Jesus, we are supposed to want what God wants. As followers of Jesus, we are supposed to desire his justice. It's his justice we want everywhere, and it's his kingdom that we are concerned with. Because although all these different things are important, all these different things are valid, all these different things have their base in someone's primary story, it is God's kingdom that has no rivals. So this is the only bullseye that I'm aiming for. This is the only bullseye our leadership is aiming for, is that we are focused on God's kingdom, on thy kingdom, on what it is he wants to accomplish in our church. And so again, that said, bring on the conversations. Bring on the questions. Bring on the real life community. This is what Kesset is about, and this is what living out your faith in a house of conversation means. So I hope that encourages you. I hope that you are blessed uh, in spite of where you're at in all this process, and I hope that you continue with our church family as we continue to be led by the Holy Spirit and as we continue to learn and follow wherever it is his kingdom leads. Uh, I want to also add this, that within the cacophony of responses, there was one common theme that just about everybody kind of boiled their feelings down to, and that was these, these two repeating questions. How am I supposed to help in the midst of all that's going on right now? 
and what am I supposed to do next? This, is, this truly represents the heart of people and, and their desire to be part of the solution, no matter where they're coming from. And I was so excited to see that. And so let me just, to the best ability I can, let me just uh, respond to that. I want to present a very quick plan for how I believe this series will play out. Last week, we took a second to look. We looked around and we proclaimed openly that there's a problem, that this is real, that, that these, these issues exist, and that we as the community of Christ, uh, that, that we are called to see it and to acknowledge it. This week, we're going to talk about what it means to listen. Not, not just like sit for a second and listen, but really dive in and listen and to do that from a biblical place. Then we're going to move to a place of learning. We're going to move to a place of learning. So we're going to start with listening. Then we're going to move to a place of learning. Then we're going to lament. Okay. And then we're going to leverage. This is sort of how the themes of each week as we move forward through this are going to play out. And I understand that right now you might want to know what each of those things mean within their context. But, but I'm not here to explain it in that much detail because in all honesty, we're following the Holy Spirit through this. And uh, we're going to let him show us. But, but that's kind of the pattern that we're, going to, that we're going to walk through together. And I hope in that way you will come to a place where you know how to help and where you know um, what you're supposed to do next. Okay? You ready? All right, let's talk about listening. Uh, let me just say this. The Bible is very clear that we are called to be listeners. There's verse after verse after verse after verse that say this. Let me just give you a few of them. Uh, James 1.19 says this. Know this, my beloved brothers. Let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. So, so be quick to process with your ears what you see, what you experience, what you feel. Be quick to process and, and listen with these ears that God has given you. And by doing that, it allows you to be slow in so many other areas as you choose how to respond. And Proverbs 18, 13 says, if one gives an answer before he hears, it is his folly and shame. And then lastly, one more verse in Proverbs, Proverbs 2, 2 says, making your ear attentive to wisdom and inclining your heart to understanding. It is so important that we as a church are willing to incline, that we as a church are willing to seek to understand. This is a big part of what it means to be a disciple, to, as we shared last week, decentralize ourselves from uh, not people's lives in any way, but from sometimes our our own limited worldview in order to see what it means to step into a higher worldview, a worldview based on thy kingdom of God and all that it is that he's doing within it. So talking about listening, of course, we have to ask ourselves, so what are we listening for? Uh, we, we, there's so many voices and there always have been. There's numerous concerns. There's all kinds of movements. And so when you're listening, it's important to recognize that you have to, you have to clarify this. And I think in clarifying it, you have to also own that everybody's on their way to somewhere. Everybody in their listening is doing it from a perspective based on where they're hoping to go. So if you're someone uh, getting close to retirement and you're on your way to retirement, you're listening to this world from that place. If you're getting ready to start a family, if you're getting ready, my daughter is getting ready to be married this fall. Almost everything in her world is listening from that perspective and what it is she's dealing with. Everybody is on their way to somewhere. I don't think uh, any passage in the Bible better illustrates this than the story of the Good Samaritan. So let's read that together. If you have a Bible, turn to Luke chapter 10. 
And we're going to start in verse 25. And it says that Jesus is teaching in the synagogue and a very smart and perceptive young man, a man who has invested his life in education, a man who I'm going to show you, I believe, uh, truly wants to please God, asks a question, but within the question is an agenda. Within the question, you'll see clearly, is, is, a, is almost a, another perspective that he's trying to weigh. So let's read that together. It says, and behold, a lawyer stood up to put him to the test, saying, teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? He said to him, what is written in the law? And then Jesus says this, how do you read it? So he just doesn't say, tell me what it is you see written and repeat it. He says, no, now tell me what that means to you. And so the young man accepts the challenge. And he answered, it says, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, Jesus answers, you have answered correctly. And then he just says it, do this, and you will live. But he, desiring to justify himself, said to Jesus, and who is my neighbor? See, this is a young man who understands what it means to be culturally present, to be a good Jewish man, to do right. He understands justice from this very shallow place as, as a, someone who obviously has lots of legal training. And so he asks, what, is, what do I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus says, what's the law say? And he lists all of these things that you're supposed to do to love God and then, of course, love your neighbor. And when he clarifies Jesus' answer around love your neighbor, what he's saying was, is, I don't have a problem with these other things. I love God. I love justice. I love doing the right thing. But who exactly is my neighbor? In other, words, in other words, who exactly do I have to love in order to get into heaven? This is a profound insight, not just into his story. And let's not do that. Let's not pretend like, wow, what a shame. I think a lot of Christians are asking that. They want to go to the right church. They want to be led by the right pastor. They want to they memorize the verses and do all the right next things. But all of a sudden, it becomes like stretching for them to, to love neighbors that, that maybe they don't feel very neighborly toward. And so Jesus looks at him, and I like to imagine a big, long pause. I like to imagine a lot of uncomfortableness. I like to imagine the young man's thinking in his head, yeah, I got him. And then Jesus just begins with a story. He says, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he fell among robbers who stripped him and beat him and departed, leaving him half dead. Now by chance, a priest was going down that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. So likewise, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him pass by on the other side. But then a man, a Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where he was. And when he saw him, he had compassion. He went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he set him on his own animal and brought him to an inn and took care of him. And the next day, he took out two denarii, and gave them to the innkeeper, saying, Take care of him, and whatever more you spend, I will repay you when I come back. Which of the three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell among the robbers? He said, The one who showed him mercy. And Jesus said, maybe after his own long moment of silence, You go and do likewise. This is a profound story for us in this day and age, because we are being challenged with this idea that we can love God and not love our neighbors. And so I just want to sit in that moment for a second. I want to recognize the, the complicated nature of many of the questions we're asking, but I want to 
to the best of my ability, and, and my hope is through the Holy Spirit, answer the question that's really being asked inside, which is just how much do I have to do to get in? Just how much do I have to, to, to accept to, to still be considered one of God's children? And from this place, it appears that the proper posture, according to Jesus, and just how much you have to do, as long as it is filtered in mercy, as long as it is filtered in loving kindness, in chesedness, as long as it is filtered in this biblical understanding of neighboring, that is enough. It's not about going out and spending hours or a certain amount of money. It's about doing it from that context because from that context answers that deeper question. And that is the question that we all need to recognize, which is how much does Jesus love me? And is it a performance-based thing that he loves me around? Is it the fact that, 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 I, that I accomplish something or that I'm, that I'm excellent at this? Or does he just love me through his mercy and through his, his gentleness and through his steadfastness? Because Jesus is the ultimate neighboring uh, uh, lover of me. And this is what he calls us to do and be with other people. There's a tool we use uh, around Kesed, primarily when we're dealing with uh, marriage counseling and those kinds of things. And the tool uh, is this. It's teaching people when they're thinking about, uh, especially their partners or other people's point of view, to say the line, the story I'm telling myself is. It's a helpful way to say out loud the things that are going on in your mind and giving permission to the other person to go, no, that's, that's not what I'm thinking at all. Within the Good Samaritan story, each of these people each one of these people has this internal narrative or story that they're telling themselves in order to uh, not get involved. Each of them had an internal conversation with themselves around why this person they saw on the side of the road uh, was in that situation or this. And yet each of these people, as they did this, uh, saw the same person, but because of the internal narrative, experienced the situation differently. Maybe they said when they saw the person, uh, I bet they are out here because they did something bad. Maybe they said, I bet they didn't plan ahead. Maybe they said, too bad their culture doesn't do a better job of training and preparing their own people. Maybe they said, they must not be receiving help from those before me that have passed by this busy way for a reason. Maybe they saw them as lazy or violent or undeserving. Jesus in this story is speaking directly to these broken narratives that we tell ourselves in order to excuse ourselves from helping. He's telling that story just like Paul who says in Galatians chapter 3, there is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither slave nor free, there is no male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. He says these narratives and these stories that you've been telling yourself about why things are happening to other people in different situations, they might just be that. They might just be stories that are valid, but are limited. These are radical ideas that that Paul and Jesus shared. These are radical thoughts that they are pouring into people's lives. And this is because Jesus was in many ways quite radical. For Jesus and his message came to obliterate barriers, all kinds of barriers, and those include ethnic barriers, of course. And so once again, what we have is Christ teaching a thy kingdom worldview. That's the story you should be telling yourself as you see what's happening in this world. From whatever perspective that you're coming from, that thy kingdom worldview is through the Holy Spirit going to push you into a different place than you could ever experience just 
with your uh, computer and a screen or watching the news. This is what makes being a Christian so powerful and the work we have to do so important. I asked earlier, what is it that we are supposed to be listening for? I want to answer that. I believe from a Bible-based perspective, we are all supposed to be listening for justice. That's what we're supposed to be listening for. That's the thy kingdom approach to, to basically all of life's difficult situations. And that word, I know, justice, is so difficult to grasp in today's culture. So this is what I want to do. I want to give you a tool, and it's a video. It's a, a video created by our friends at the Bible Project. And this tool is going to be something that I'm going to, uh, I'll add a, uh, a link to it right in the comments. And I will also, um, I will also add a, uh, on Facebook later this week, the video itself so that you can watch it and rewatch it. And also so that you can look at it with your kids, look at it with your family so that you can take notes and so forth. But this is a video those guys did around this concept of justice, biblical justice. And I think it, it helps us kind of a frame how we're supposed to be approaching this situation, how we're supposed to be listening uh, for our neighbors, for the struggles, for the, the, the needs, for the, the, the viewpoints. And I think it will impact you deeply. So I hope you enjoy it. Please watch. If you were a praying mantis, it would be socially acceptable to devour your mate. And if you're a honey badger, you have no regard for other animals. You don't care. If you're a panda with twins, it's normal to abandon one to take care of the other. But if humans do any of these things, we would call it wrong, unfair, or unjust. Yeah, why is that? Why do humans care so much about justice? Well, the Bible has a fascinating response to that question. On page one, humans are set apart from all other creatures as the image of God. Yeah, God's representatives who rule the world by his definition of good and evil. And this identity, it's the bedrock of the Bible's view of justice. All humans are equal before God and have the right to be treated with dignity and fairness no matter who you are. And that would be nice if we all did that, but we know how the world really works. And the Bible addresses that too. It shows how we are constantly redefining good and evil to our own advantage at the expense of others. Yeah, self-preservation. And the weaker someone is, the easier it is to take advantage of them. And so in the biblical story, we see this happening on a personal level, but also in families and then in communities and in whole civilizations that create injustice, especially towards the vulnerable. But the story doesn't end there. Out of this whole mess, God chose a man named Abraham to start a new kind of family. Specifically, Abraham was to teach his family to keep the way of the Lord by doing righteousness and justice. Yeah, doing righteousness, that's a Bible word I don't really use, but what comes to mind is being a good person. But what does that even mean, being good? The biblical Hebrew word for righteousness is tzedakah, and it's more specific. It's an ethical standard that refers to right relationships between people. It's about treating others as the image of God. With the God-given dignity they deserve. And this word justice, it's the Hebrew word mishpat. It can refer to retributive justice. Like if I steal something, I pay the consequences. Exactly. 
Yet most often in the Bible, mishpat refers to restorative justice. It means going a step further, actually seeking out vulnerable people who are being taken advantage of and helping them. Yeah, some people call this charity. But mishpat involves way more. It means taking steps to advocate for the vulnerable and changing social structures to prevent injustice. So justice and righteousness are about a radical, selfless way of life. Yeah, and you find this idea all over the Bible. Like here in the book of Proverbs, what does it mean to bring about just righteousness? Open your mouth for those who can't speak for themselves. And what do these words mean for the prophets like Jeremiah? Rescue the disadvantaged and don't tolerate oppression or violence against the immigrant, the orphan, and the widow. And like here, look in the book of Psalms. The Lord God upholds justice for the oppressed, gives food to the hungry, and sets the prisoner free but he thwarts the way of the wicked. Whoa, he thwarts the wicked? Yeah, in Hebrew, the word wicked is rasha. It means guilty or in the wrong. It refers to someone who mistreats another human, ignoring their dignity as an image of God. So justice and righteousness is a big deal to God. Yes, it's what Abraham's family, the Israelites, were to be all about. They ended up as immigrant slaves, being oppressed unjustly in Egypt. And so God confronted Egypt's evil, declaring them to be rasha, guilty of injustice. And so he rescued Israel. But the tragic irony of the Old Testament story is that these redeemed people went on to commit the same acts of injustice against the vulnerable. And so God sent prophets who declared Israel guilty. But they weren't the only ones. There's injustice everywhere. Yeah, some people actively perpetrate injustice. Others receive benefits or privileges from unjust social structures they take for granted. And sadly, history has shown that when the oppressed gain power, they often become oppressors themselves. So we all participate in injustice, actively or passively, even unintentionally. We're all the guilty ones. And so this is the surprising message of the biblical story. God's response to humanity's legacy of injustice is to give us a gift, the life of Jesus. He did righteousness and justice, and yet he died on behalf of the guilty. But then God declared Jesus to be the righteous one when he rose from the dead. And so now Jesus offers his life to the guilty so that they too can be declared righteous before God, not because of anything they've done, but because of what Jesus did for them. The earliest followers of Jesus experienced this righteousness from God, not just as a new status, but as a power that changed their lives and compelled them to act in surprising new ways. Yeah, if God declared someone righteous when they didn't deserve it, the only reasonable response is to go and seek righteousness and justice for others. This is a radical way of life, and it's not always convenient or easy. It's courageously making other people's problems my problems. This is what Jesus meant by loving your neighbor as yourself. It's about a lifetime commitment fueled by the words of the ancient prophet Micah. God has told you, humans, what is good and what the Lord requires of you is to do justice, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. Although I've spent a lot of time thinking about justice, I, I must admit I don't think I ever fully uh, allowed it to, to, to seep into my soul like, like it did after I watched that video. 
I never really saw myself as someone that, that might be causing someone else injustice or, or even many times just because of my personality or because of my, my limited worldview. Even things that happened to me, I don't know if I would have labeled them as injustice versus just, well, that happens in life. I'm realizing more and more that, that with the Holy Spirit's prompting, I have some, uh, some heart reflecting to do. I, I hope that this week that's exactly what we all do. That we, that we look around at our world, that we look around at our neighbors, that, that we take the time to truly listen, that we listen for justice this week. And then we ask ourselves two primary questions. First, are you aware of the internal narrative you are telling yourself about people that experience the world differently than you? This is a huge question. But I hope this week that you, that you go back and pause the video, that you write this down, right? And that you, you share with, uh, with yourself, with people around you, that you dialogue, that you enter into disagreement, and that you talk about your own internal, narr internal narrative and how it impacts the way you view people who view the world differently than you. This is a, this is a huge concept and a really important part of spiritual development to recognize that we all do this to some point, but to how much uh, requires a lot of self-reflection. Second question I'd like to offer you for this week is, are you willing to allow Jesus's teaching on justice to reshape your own? Are you willing to, to see this world um, through the eyes of the one who made it? Are you willing to have a thy kingdom worldview? Are you willing to, to set down uh, the agendas and the plans and the, the way in which maybe you think the world should be ran and actually allow the one who designed the world to run the right way, run it? This is, this is also not easy. Because we want to be at the center of things. We want to be the ones who fix things. We want to make things right. When in reality, it is God and his worldview of justice working out through the Holy Spirit, through the hands and feet and minds and mouths and ears of Christians. That is how God is working and that is how God is bringing about this kingdom that he is building day to day. I know this is all uh, heavy stuff. I know it's complicated. But I also know that we as a community, we can engage with it because we are that house of conversation and I believe we can be one that listens as much as we speak. Next week, we're gonna do something we've never done before. We're gonna put this sermon into practice. For next week, I'm gonna be having a listening panel interview with a few of our Kesed members that, uh, that all see the world from a little different perspective. I'm, I'm setting them up to have a discussion. I'm setting them up maybe if needed to have a, 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 a bit of a dialogue and maybe even have some disagreement. And I'm allowing uh, this to happen because I really feel that uh, these are questions we're all having. And some of us are just, it's just, it's too difficult to say out loud. And so I've asked some people who are going to be courageous. And they're going to they're gonna dialogue about a lot of the questions we're hearing from you guys. And, and I believe that it's going to give us um, an expanded worldview. I believe it's going to allow us to hear and um, to grow. I'm proud of you, Kesson Church. I'm proud of where God is leading us. I'm proud that we are, we, are, um, <laughs> we are getting to experience so much of him right now, day to day in the midst of all of this chaos and, and all of this disunity. And I can tell you with, within, uh, within the body of Christ, my hope is that we see Jesus reign in the midst of it anyways. 
I hope you have an amazing week of self-reflection. I hope you join me next week as uh, we participate in the panel interview. And uh, I hope that uh, you learn something from God this week and that he uh, draws close to you and that he meets you right where you are. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for every person listening right now. Thank you for their willingness to stretch, to be open, to, 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 to have discussion. Thank you, God, that, that, that you are so willing to sit with us in the midst of whatever it is we are seeing, in the midst of whatever it is we are proclaiming right or wrong, and that you are willing to meet us in that place and then walk us in love and caring like the Father that you are towards a better understanding of you and your view for this world. We are grateful for it. We lift it fully and wholly up to you. And all of God's people said, amen. Have a great week. Talk soon.